0: We have been learning Tanya, <coughs> and um, last week, with the help of God Almighty, we started learning Tanya again. And we started Tanya over again. What well, we did this time around, with the help of God, is we decided not to try and keep up with the chitas because that's quite a chase. We decided instead to slow down and to go as slow as we'd like, and to sort of speak, get more involved. In um, the topics of Tanya that serve our interest, and to get less involved in those parts of the Tanya which don't serve our interests. So we've, so to speak, relaxed ourselves. We permitted ourselves to go a little bit more slowly. Last week, Monday, when we learned, I essentially gave you sort of a, a history class about the background of Hasidus, about the Hilchot Bal Shemtiv. We talked also about the Alter Rebbe. And about the Alter Rebbe's contribution to Hasidus. that when al Rebbe met his holy master, the Great Maggid of Mezrich, the Maggid told him that the Shemtev had told him about the Alter Rebbe. The Shemtev had told the Maggid that there is this special neshama, this new neshama, that has come into this world for a special purpose. And the Shemtev said to the Maggid, "I had mesiras nefesh that he should not know me." The Shemtev said, "I bent over backwards." To prevent him from meeting you, meeting me, because in Yiddish she says, Ere is thine and he belongs to you. <coughs> and then the Maggid, Al said to the Magid, You're going to have to wait for the Al to come on his own. And the, the Maggid waited for five years until the Al Terebah showed up. And when the Al Terebah came and he introduced himself to the Maggid, the Mazichah Maggid actually told the Al all kinds of instructions, all kinds of messages um, that he got from the Hilak the essence of it was, the gist of it was in one sentence, the Baal Shem said to the Magid, you'll tell him, tell the Al if and when he shows up, that the reason he was born was, in quotes, Arain Hasidis and Which means, end of quote. Which means, in other words, to, to create a form, a body, a capsule, a, 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 tech, a technique, a mechanism, a mechanism through which it can be ingested, that permits Hasidus to be an internal process. An internal process means where it changes the nature of the role of the Rebbe, where instead of the function of the Rebbe being as it was in the previous generations, and it still is in other Hasidus, where the role of the Rebbe is that he gives the Hasidus directly to the Hasidim through inspiration, and instead, the role of the Rebbe becomes a teacher, an educator. The job of the Rebbe is above all else to inspire and to teach Hasidim, how to be self-inspired, how to create their own identity as Hasidim. And this really is the life's mission of the Altarebbe. The Altarebbe did many things in his lifetime. He's an extremely accomplished person. But if you needed to identify what the Altarebbe himself viewed as the purpose that was the definition of his life, it was the creation of tayras Hasidus, Chabad. Creating Chabad, Hasidus, which is Hasidus with all the holiness and all the potency that we talked about. And at the same time, the intellectual packaging that the Alter Rebbe wrapped around Hasidis to affect a change in the fundamental nature of Hasidic accessibility. You learn the material, you learn Hasidis, you understand Hasidis, Hasidis touches you. And the role of the Rebbe is not to inspire, the role of the Rebbe is to teach. You have to inspire yourself. And of course, at the center of Hasidis, Chabad, is the Sevetani Kadish. If the Altarebbe's life is defined by the creation of Chabad Chasidis, and it certainly is so, Chabad Chasidis is defined by the Seferat Tanya. So in effect, the Tanya becomes really the most deep, the most true expression of the Altareba, because in the Tanya you have distilled, concentrated, the whole of Chasidis Chabad, and the whole of Chasidis Chabad is the whole of the Altarebbe's life and legacy. So we're learning the Tanya. The Tanya is based on a Pasuk. The Tanya is based on a Pasuk. If you, if you have a sheet, if you're lucky enough to be anywhere in the vicinity of a sheet, and you have eyes that still work with or without glasses, um, it's the last Pasuk on the page. Pasuk yudalid It says, Ki Karei which translates roughly into, it is near to you, the matter, in quotes. Very much, B'ficha in your mouth, in your heart, La'sayse to do. This is one Pasuk in the whole <laughs> And the entire Tanya revolves around one pasuk, At least the first book of Tanya. Sefer Shabayninim revolves around one pasuk. And uh, it's interesting just to mention tangentially that there are a number of Svarim, there are a number of books that we have where an entire Sefer interprets one passage in the Chumash. The most famous of these, or the earliest of these, would be a book called Tikkun E'Zaihar. I did that once I of Abraham. Tikkun E'Zaihar is a section of the Zaihar. And the entire Sefer, Tikkun Ezeyad, interprets one Pasuk. Beresh has 71 or 72 different interpretations. We don't have the, all of the Tikkun Ezeyad, but what we have the entire book translates one Pasuk. There's a, there's a Jew whose name was Abnasan Shapiro. there's a big Mokubal who lived around three centuries ago, three and a half centuries ago. He wrote a Sefer called Magala Amukes. In which he has the entire book interprets the Pasuk Vo'eschanan. He has two hundred and twelve different interpretations to one Pasuk. The entire Tanya interprets this one Pasuk. It is near to you, the matter, in quotes, very, very much in your mouth, in your heart, to do. That's what the Tanya revolves. revolves around this one Pasuk. Now, when you listen to the Pasuk as I just read it, And you listen to the Pesach as I just translated it. You come away with Huh? What did he just say? (laughs) Am I the only stupid one? What did he just say? A lot of times you read English translations of Psukkim and they're as useless as the original Hebrew. When you say something you want to be understood. Mm -hmm. When someone listens to somebody speak talk straight. Speak directly. When you translate Psukkim, very frequently the translation is not much more helpful than the original because it's written in, not just in Hebrew but in biblical form. It's written in the language of the Torah which is a, a different style of communication, different style of use of words. And you need to sort of speak, uh, accustom yourself to, to how Torah talks to get a sense of what, the, what Torah is trying to say. So let's look at this Pasek one more time. Kikarev, it's translated, it is near. Elacha <laughs> to you, hadavar the matter. Mo'oid, very much. B'ficha in your mouth, O'bevavcha in your heart, say to do. Now let me just put it to you very straight, okay? Forget the Hebrew, and uh, forget the English. What this Pesach is saying, that there is something, which we don't know what it is, that is represented by the word hadavar, the thing, the matter. And whatever the matter is, is very easy. That's the translation of this Pesach, not literally, but contextually or comprehensively. There is a thing, there is a dava, there is something which we don't know what it is, but whatever this dava is, is very karev, it's very, very realistic, it's very possible, it's very down to earth. The In your speech, in your thought, and in your deed. This is a pasuk. Now, you should know that there's a ramban, there's a nachmanides on this pasuk, which is quite famous. Quite famous because a lot of people talk about this salaman. Hasidus talks about this in They never about this That says that the matter is tshuva. Ki ha'dava There is something, ha'dava, the thing. We don't know what the thing is. But whatever the thing is, it's It's very easy, very possible for a person to do b'fiyach. What says says, says that ha'dava, the matter, goes on tshuva. It is very easy to do tshuva. Why did Amban says that is, is not important. But that's the fact that Amban says that the of the, Allah the, the indicates that Tshuva is very, very easy and very, very near to a person. And of course, if we had more time, and if we were talking about Tshuva, we could spend all night talking about Tshuva. Mm-hmm. But our issue is not Tshuva. We're learning Tanya. So how does the Al-Tarebbe interpret the matter? Okay? So... To repeat myself, which is how I make a living. There's a post in the chumash that says there's something that's very easy, very possible. What is that something? What is the Dover, the thing which, we, which is unidentified? The Ted does what the thing is. The Ted says this thing is very cut, it's very possible. In the Atrebis model, the Dover means to be a Jew. It is easy, it is near, it is possible for you, very possible for you. To be a Jew, the matter goes on Judaism. It's very, very easy to be a Jew. That's the title of the Pasuk. It's very near, it's very possible for you to be a Jew. That's, that's the translation of the Pasuk that the At-Rebbe prefers. Now, is it easy to be a Jew? <laughs> is it easy to be a Jew? Well, there's a, there's a law that says that when somebody wishes to become a convert, right, it's supposed to talk them out of it. Did you know that? It's a special Allah, if somebody wishes to convert to Judaism, the first thing to do, is tell them how terrible an idea that is. <laughs> I was born a Yid. Thank God, yes? But why would you want to get yourself into such a situation? And you tell them just how difficult it is. You don't just talk about Yiddishkeit, you talk about the Jewish people and how much they suffer, and so forth and so on. Right? So evidently, there's a variety of different points of view. There's, a, there's, there's ways of looking at being a Jew, there's ways of looking at serving Hashem, which are quite complicated, which are quite difficult. But here in this Pasuk, the Al Rebbe is focusing, the, the, the Tein is focusing on the Al Rebbe picks up on this Pasuk and says, <laughs> It's very, very near, it's very, very possible for a person um, to be a Jew, to be a, com- a, a comprehensive servant of Hashem. How do we translate this in simple English? Before we get fancy, before we get complicated, how do we translate it in simple English? In simple English it means as follows. Each one of us was born with a shadow, with an alter ego, where we're not sure which ego is alter and which ego is the primary ego. But each one of us was born with two identities. And one of us, either the first of us or the second of us, is called the Yitzhah I mean, there's a couple of people here I know who don't know what Yitzchadar is. They were born pious and righteous. In English, in? Pardon? In English, my children don't speak in... you don't know what Yitzchadar means? Yitzchadar means, <laughs> Yitzchadar means temptation. <laughs> Yitzchadar means laziness. Yitzchadar means, means bad moods. Evil inclination. evil inclination. We're all born with the Yitzchadar. We're all born with an evil inclination. Because we're all born with an evil inclination. Because we're all born with a part of ourselves that's really not interested in serving Hashem, being a Jew is not so easy. Everybody understands that, right? I, I don't know too many people who remember life in Gan How many people, pick that up please. How many people do you know who know what life was of, of Yenazite on the other side? If we knew what was going on on the other side, maybe we'd look a little nicer. But the Gemara says that when you come into this world, there's a special malach hit hits you on the lechi. Somehow lechi means the upper lip, lechi means the cheek, but let's not get technical. And you forget everything. <laughs> and you forget what it means to live in a world where there's no yetzirah. And you come into this world and you have a yetzirah. The evil inclination, and all kinds of distractions and all kinds of burdens. So the fact of the matter is that when you live in the real world, and we all live in the real world, some of us are more delusional, others of us are less delusional, but we all periodically wake up and discover that we live in the real world. And when you live in the real world, you know very, very well that um, it's not so easy to serve Hashem. It's especially not so easy to serve Hashem and love it and consider it the best and most beautiful and meaningful and significant and important part of your life. And the Torah says, I want you to know it's very easy, it's very simple so you read this passage and you scratch your head and you say Moshe uh, Rabbeinu, we're not entitled to argue with you we're not entitled to uh, to tell you that maybe uh, you live in a different plane than we all do but how could Moshe Rabbeinu say how could Moshe Rabbeinu say how could it say in the Torah that to be a Jew is so simple even if it's possible but it's certainly complicated it's certainly not simple. In the real world, we have the and Hara. And there's one thing that's true about the Aids and Hara is that the Aids and Hara is real. Temptations, you don't have to read about, you don't have to do social, uh, scientific studies on temptation. Everyone knows what temptation means. Laziness <laughs> does not have to be analyzed. It's a fact. Sadness, depression, despair. These are, these are, these are all the Aids and Hara. These are not the kind of things to read about in books, right? We know them from we all, all know them personally. How could Moshe Rabbeinu make a statement? It's easy for you. It's near for you to be a to, to serve Hashem. It's, it's very far from the case. I used to go. on Mitzvahim years ago, as a kid, many years ago, and uh, there was a fellow that I met, an interesting Jew, who was a European Yidaleh, came from the old country, and during the war, he was raised. He was held in a convent. And um, he really did not get a Jewish education at all. He has relatives in Williamsburg, Satma relatives, and he knows them and he visits them and the connection to them. But um, he was at raised by Christians. Very very interesting person, torn between so many worlds. And he was a very sweet fellow. We used to fbrain with him a lot. So he used to say in Yiddish, and he he didn't know the correct quote, but his pun was nevertheless significant. As a shvach right? supposed to be a It's difficult to be a Jew. It's a <coughs> Judaism makes you weak. It, it, it's, it's serving Hashem. Is it easy to be nice? Ah, huh. yeah, <laughs> it's easier. Life is not easy for no one. Okay, but serving Hashem means always winning and never losing. That's what it means. Sometimes you want to give in. Sometimes you want to. What's wrong with losing once in a while? You always have to win, you always have to do the right thing. In any case, so I, what I did was, I, I decided to print for you Moshe Rabbeinu's defense. Okay? Instead of just printing Pusik Yudalid, as most people do, I actually printed the whole sequence Pusik Yudalif, Yudbeiz, Yudgimal, and Yudalud. Okay, When you put this Pusik Yudalid in context, the Pusik suddenly doesn't become any easier, by the way. But at least you understand Moshe Rabbeinu's position. Okay, we read paragraph, Pasuk we read Pasuk Y'dal, chapter p- passage 14. And it says in that Pasuk, which means, in effect, that it's, it's easy or straightforward to be a Jew. And the question that we all have is, it doesn't seem that way. So what I did was, I printed four psukim, and I want to read this four with you, according to a Hasidic interpretation. And then you'll understand what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying from Moshe Rabbeinu's point of view. It's not going to help us. To help us, we're going to need the Tanya. But at least, when you read this, you'll understand Moshe Rabbeinu's point of view. So let's read it inside. I'm going to read and translate. Okay? Ki That, the word ki is translated as that. That, this mitzvah. Where, where the, the top of the page, the Hebrew. Top, you're oh, yes, you know it. Ki this mitzvah now I'm just reminding you what I said earlier according to the Ramban Mitzvah Zayitz goes on the Mitzvah of Tshuva specifically but not the way we're learning this Pasuk this Yiddishkeit that I am commanding you today God is talking to the Jewish nation he says listen people listen I gave you a religion I gave you a Das what's Das? knowledge a religion Das Das means not Das Das Das, das. das or em. a religion this religion that I am giving to you conforms to the following okay (laughs) it's not wondrous from you which I'll translate soon nor is it far away from from you it's not in the heavens to say in other words had it been in the heavens we would have to do the following who is going to climb up for us into the heavens and take it for us, and teach it to us, so we could do it. Nor is it on the opposite side of the sea. Layman, Which would mean that somebody would have to represent us. Who's going to cross the sea for us? And take it for us, and teach it to us, so we could do it. So Moshe says, Listen, yidn, you should know that Yiddishkeit is loin of place. It's not wondrous, it's not far it's not in the heavens it's not across the sea it's very near to you to do in your mouth and in your heart to do but let me tell you what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling the Jewish people okay Moshe okay. Rabbeinu sits this time with the Yidin if you ever learned Sefer Dvarim you know that Sefer Dvarim is amongst other things one of the best Moshe never written you know Rizdach Rabbi is always looking for good speeches just read Deuteronomy, word for word, is the best Musa in, in the world. And it's quite inspiring too. It's not just depressing, like most Bali Musa. Okay? Moshe Rabbein is sitting with the Jewish people and he's talking to them about life. And he's asking them a question. Tell me. What do you owe God? What do you owe What do you owe the What do you owe Hashem? Well... Of course, most people's answer is going to be, I never thought about it, I don't know, I'm not sure. So much of him does some explain it. Hashem created you. He created your world. <coughs> he created everything that you have around you. He's providing you with life, with family, with health, with panasa, with all the things that you have. And there's another detail. All of these provisions that Hashem gives you, including your own existence I mean, the fact that you are hmm. is not something that he gave you in the past it's not that once upon a time Hashem came down onto earth and he prepared all these books and says when so and so, and Jeffrey shows up you'll send him a check for such an amount and when so and so shows up you'll send him a bill for such an amount and so forth and so on that's not the way the Jewish operates every single second the entire creation, including us as individual people, including our lives as individual moments in time, as individual events, are created by Hashem from nothing into something. Hashem's relationship to the world is not remote. Hashem is not the manager of a company, you understand? Or a great-grandfather who worries about Zeyniklah. Hashem is involved in the lives of every single one of us intimately and personally and in detail. Constantly. <coughs> The Eibishter is a one-man business. He's the president, and he's the vice president, and he's the treasurer. And you'll forgive me, he cleans the floors, and he refills the, the uh, copy machines. And he, he everything that Abish does personally, his involvement in our world, and his involvement in our lives, and in his involvement in the specific details of our lives is intricate to the very, very detail. Or as it's explained in the language of the Tanya, there was this concept called Yashmayay. Hashem makes us exist from non-existence. And this phenomenon, this concept of Hashem making us exist from non-existence, into existence has to be Every single second God is making us be. Somebody says, Okay, now I'm gonna ask you again. What is your debt? What do you owe God? What do you owe Hashem? Well, if what we just said is true, and it is, <laughs> that Abishta is responsible for our very existence at this moment, it's not a cosmic thing, it's not a historic thing, it's a very intimate thing, that means to say, Hashem is involved in our lives, every second, very personally, very intimately, we owe Hashem everything. We owe Hashem everything. We really should, God has given us everything we have, including our very selves, we owe God everything, including our very selves. Now we don't know too many people who live that way. Which kind of a person has given himself away to Hashem completely? Avraham Avinu gave himself away to Hashem completely. Yitzchak Avinu gave himself away to Hashem completely. Yaakov Avinu gave himself away to Hashem completely, and there it ebbed and that's pretty much where it ends, right? We don't know too many people who given themselves away to Hashem totally. Says, let's, let's talk business let's talk dollars and cents let's talk real since the debt that we have to Hashem is total the obligation that we have to Hashem is complete Hashem can make any demand He wishes from us and they would be reasonable They may not be so practical but they'll be reasonable. Whatever a demand that a would make from a Jew, a Jew cannot say too much. Because we're getting a lot more than we're being asked to give. So the Taita says, <laughs> as I'm giving it to you. <laughs> it's not wondrous from you. What does that mean? Wondrous is a wondrously useless word, <laughs> mm-hmm. as most words are, right? According to Kabbalah and according to Hasidus, the word pele, nifles, is an illusion. it's a reference to the very essence of the Neshama, the Pneumius of the Neshama. And Moshe says, if Hashem wanted, He could say to every human being, and He could certainly say to every Jew, what I want in return, for giving you your identity and your existence and your reality is, I want you to give me back your whole self. I want your life to be defined by one thing only, service. But not define it by service, behaviorally alone practically alone. I want you in a The Eivishter has a right to demand of a Jew that we should give him the very essence of our soul. For those who are a little bit more familiar with the Kabbalah Hasidic lingo, this is called Tainuk. The essence of the soul is called Oineg, pleasure, delight, <coughs> as it's translated in English. If the said, if wished, he is in a position, he has an authority to say to every one of us, I want you to be in a perpetual condition, in a constant state of experiencing the delight of Hashem. What is your life experiencing the pleasure of God. There's no time for anything else. So Meshe says, I have good news for you. The Abish is not expecting of you to be in a perpetual state of Tainug. Nor is it far away from you. To cut to the chase, to save a little time, I'll just put it to you very straight, in, in, in the Hasidic form, Rachik is an allusion to Ratzon, to will. And this is interpreted basically as being a condition... Of Mesiris Nefesh, <coughs> self sacrifice. It says in Hasidis, based on the Possek and Tanakh, that the word Nefesh means a rotzing, will. The Mesirat nefesh. nefesh, right? The word Nefesh, which is conventionally translated as soul, connotes rotzing, will. So Mesirat Nefesh means to give away your will to Hashem. So David wished, considering the fact that we owe him so much, and he could make any demand of us and we would have to deliver it. So Moshe says, Hashem is not expecting from us the essence of our neshama. But, Nor is Hashem expecting of us Mesira's Nefesh. And the Pesach continues. Yiddish Gait is not in the heavens. I'm going to save you the details because they're really not that important. But just you're going to have to trust me that B'Shamayim goes on the mubina, the intelligence of a person. Bayim, if Hashem wanted... Hashem could say I want every Jew to spend every moment that they're <coughs> awake studying God intellectually. That every Jew should be this big chochum, this, this very deep abstract thinker in the chacham of the Luchus to understand the Evishtim. So Hashem says I don't want your mind I don't want your soul I don't want your will I don't want your, ma- your mind <speaking> nor is it across the sea which means Hashem says I don't even want your heart and I'm entitled if Hashem said, I want a Jew to give me his soul, or his will, or his mind, or his heart, we would have that obligation. <laughs> so Meshach Rabbeinu says, <laughs> I want you to know that the expectation that Hashem has is really not such a big deal. Now, I'll explain what that means. <laughs> means the expectation Hashem has is really not such a big deal. If you look at it from Hashem's point of view. From Hashem's point of view, that we owe him everything. And he would have a right, a legitimate right, to say to Wayid, Niflay's to the give me your soul, give me your will, give me your mind, give me your heart. Which means to say not we're part time students of Hazidis. It's all we do is talk about Hashem. Or all we do is fill our hearts with passions for Hashem, day and night. And there's no breaks, there's no vacations, there's no weekend, this is what we are. So, I'm sorry? <laughs> so the <Re-Bishter> says ki <laughs> karev says Meshach Abaynu, that the expectation that Hashem has of us is karev, is near. Why? And the answer lies in the last three words of the Pasuk. Beficha which translates in your mouth in your heart which is usually understood to mean in your thought means to do. whatever. When you read Pasek you of Yidbez and Gimel Pasek makes more sense. It doesn't make it easier, but it does make it more reasonable. The context of the psukhem are as follows. Pasek which is the Pasek on which the entire Tanya is based, that says, It's Kikare Velach Yiddishkeit, is very near to you. <coughs> the reason Yiddishkeit is very near to you is because, That means, Hashem has a right to demand of us anything. And all He is expecting from us is that we should control what we do. That's all. Now what we do includes not just what we do with our hands. We do includes what we do with our mouths. And we do includes what we do with our minds. With our thought. But the Rebbe God Almighty is not saying to a Jew, give me your heart, give me your mind, give me your will, give me your soul. Give me your behavior. That's how you must understand this pasuk. Okay? I'm sorry for being repetitious, but I think it's necessary. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Hashem could expect of a Jew, Nifleis, Rechaikah, Barashmai, Meriam, He could make any expectation He wishes. And we would have to deliver. Why? Because whatever He would demand would still be less than what He's giving us, which is our very existence. And therefore, Meisha says, you're complaining? All he wants, the only level that Hashem says to a Jew, this I will not compromise, this you have to give me, I want you to give me your actions. Not how you feel, not what you understand, not what you desire, not who you are, but what you do. What you do, you have to give them Abish. And Ebesh says, this I'm not going to compromise. So from the perspective of Hashem, from Hashem's point of view, since he has a right to demand, niflais <laughs> Bashamay, Ayam, he says, all I'm asking, wait, wait, kim the only expectation Hashem has is we should control our actions. Now, whenever Rabbi said, there's a secret that you need to understand. That there's more to this Pasuk than the interpretation I just gave you. Because actually, each one of these levels, niflais Ayam, is a different level of a tzaddik. <laughs> there are actually people. There have always been people. Not a lot, but there have always been some. For whom, niflais is not a loy, but a cane. And chaika is not a loy, but a cane. And bashamayim and leibashamayim, doesn't mean that they don't have to, but this is their obligation. All of these levels, niflais and the and are levels of tzaddik. There's four levels of tzaddik. Don't don't make me nervous. Okay, I'm still in a good mood. Thought there's only two. There's so many different levels. Those two are two absolute clinically distinct categories. One is a simple so one, a the but the second one has many many madrigues. Mm. Okay. You could say that all of these four are all in the second category, um, or that the second three are in the second category, but <coughs> like I said, I was doing so well till you asked me that question. Sorry. So, you're, right. you're really sorry. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> okay? Understand that the Torah is saying to us, to yid. there's a level called Neflase, a level called Rechayka, a level called Bashar, my name of give Hashem. sadiqim's lives not just divent, than ours because they do mitzvahs better than us because they're more particular they don't do any Avedis tzaddikim are different because they are expected (coughs) to give God their souls not just their behavior not just what they do but who they are and depending on the level of tzaddik the expectation changes some tzaddikim are expected to give Hashem their hearts higher tzaddikim have to give Hashem not just their hearts but their minds higher tzaddikim still have to give Hashem their hearts and their minds and their will and some tzaddikim have to literally become what's called in Hasidus a Merkava. They have to give away their entire identity to the Evershten. We are not tzaddiks on any one of those levels. If anybody here is a tzaddik, uh, um, God bless you. <laughs> but don't tell anybody. It's a very good idea to keep it a secret for a number <laughs> of reasons which will not be spelled out at this particular juncture. So since we are not in the madrega of tzaddik, since we're ordinary people, Moshe <laughs> Rabbeinu says, Karvelach <laughs> Adav what you are expected to do is possible for you to do. Hashem is not expecting your soul or your will or your mind or your heart. Hashem says, give me your action. Control yourself. Be in charge of your mice and Be in charge of your behavior. So now, this posik makes sense. It makes sense in the chumash. It makes sense in context. When you read the posik in the scheme of the psukom that came before, it makes complete sense. There remains one small little problem. It's not so easy to control our behavior forget about our, our our will our pleasure and our will and our minds and our hearts which we just discovered that even though it says loy 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 there are people for whom this is real sadikim have to do these things but even the of Allah says simply to control what we say what we think what we do is extraordinarily difficult <coughs> it's virtually impossible right and when you say virtually you only use the word virtually because you know that it's wrong to say it's impossible but otherwise, it's impossible. It's such a difficult thing to control our actions. It's such a difficult thing to control our actions. Right? I understand what that means to control our actions. I'll explain what that means to control our actions. We, we live in a Mr. Fix-It world, for those who do not know. I mean, I'm sure everybody knows where the fix the world We're all busy fixing. We, we, you know, we live in an age where everybody's trying to make themselves better, make things easier for them, to get over these kind of hang-ups, those kind of hang-ups, these kinds of obsessions, those kinds of obsessions, so on and so forth. There is a phenomenon amongst people which I don't think we're unique about. I think it's existed as long as human pe- human beings have existed. That every single one of us is busy fixing the whole world, except the one piece in the world that we can actually fix, because that part's hard. That's ourselves we have advice, we have counsel, we have time, we have patience to help somebody else. (laughs) When it comes to ourselves, we have excuses. It's hard. It's hard. The Pasuk is saying, Tehid is saying, listen Jew, Hashem says He created us and He wants us to be His servants and to be servants of Hashem requires that we should become masters of ourselves we shouldn't own a car, which is a nice thing to have. It's nice to have a few cars. shouldn't own a house, even though it's nice to have a couple of houses, one in Staten Island, and one in Grand Heights, maybe one in Flatbush. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can own all kinds of things, but those things are not requisites. You don't must own those things. The one thing we must <coughs> possess is ourselves. Own ourselves. Owning ourselves means very simply this, that when I think a thought I chose to. When I speak a word, I chose to. And when I did a deed, I chose to. You see, there, there are not many people who very often do things wrong on purpose. Sometimes the person says, I don't care, I'm, do- I'm murdered, I'm a rebel, I don't care, I'm doing it. Most of us, most of the time, the things that we do in our lives that we regret... We don't do. They happen to us, you know. People think I joke when I say this, but I'm not joking at all. The worst kind of sin is the sin of sadness. This is really true. It doesn't anybody not tell you not allowed to be sad, but sadness is the source of all sins. I mean, from sadness you go straight into every kind of abyss, including a spiritual one. Okay, sadness is an emotion. We can't control our emotions, but we can control our thoughts. We can control the thoughts that will or will not bring us to a condition of sadness. It's an incredibly controversial Rambam. Really incredibly controversial Rambam, which I've shared with you in the past in our learnings here. Where the Rambam talks, it's a mitzvah, he talks about a soldier going to war. And the Rambam says about a soldier going to war, that there's a lot of the Eriah, said it's a biblical prohibition against a soldier going to war and being afraid you're going to war don't be afraid Okay, now there are people in this room who go to a job interview and they're hyperventilating okay? <laughs> no one's going to kill you at a job interview the worst thing that will happen is that things will remain as they've been till now it can only get better but do you imagine the Tatus says to a soldier is going to a front and in war there's two things that happen Okay, two things you kill or the other option That's all. it's not complicated it's very simple It's black and white I tell aid, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What do you mean? don't be afraid? <laughs> There's nothing more frightful in the world than this kind of a circumstance. A soldier is not allowed to be afraid. So that Rambam says, how can Hashem say don't be afraid? What do you mean don't be afraid? It's reality. It says that Ambam, don't think. You're not allowed to think. Now think about your wife, never think about your children, No think about yourself. Go we trust Hashem, don't not think. Now, is it easy not to think when you're going to war? It's, it's virtually impossible. Okay? But this is the commandment in the Tayyah. Torah says you can't control your heart. You can control your thoughts. Is that easy? It's extremely difficult. But this is the message of this Pasuk. The foundation of safe and Tanya Kadisha, the book of Tanya is predicated in this one Pasuk. And you have to understand the Pasek in context. The context of this Pusuk is, Hashem says, I did not create a nation of tzaddikim. I didn't create a bunch of holy people to serve me on holy levels. There are those two. But for the most part, <laughs> I did not create a nation of pious people. I created a nation of ordinary people. And my expectation from them is that they should become masters of themselves. They should control what they say and what they don't say they control what they think and what they don't think and Las they should control what they do and what they don't do which is absolutely incredible every person in this room you say to a human being you think for 60 seconds you can control yourself I I would say yes now maybe that can be proven wrong but I think for 60 seconds I can control myself I should not think a certain thought speak a certain word do a certain action you think you control yourself for 2 times 60 seconds it's a possibility control yourself for an hour of course not in an hour you know how many things happen in an hour but if you realize that an hour is made up of of minutes and a minute is made up of seconds so if I can control myself for one second and for ten seconds and for 60 seconds why can't I control myself for 3600 seconds it's the same thing again and again and again and again the answer of course is we lapse what does lapse mean? we stop paying attention most people most of the time don't sin on purpose now the opposite of on purpose is not by mistake. You know, people sin because of temptation. Temptation is not an accident. The person is tempted, they're given to the temptation, they did something wrong on purpose. But it comes from weakness. It doesn't come from choice. It comes from shvachkeit. It comes from losing control. Not being in control and choosing to do wrong, but forfeiting control. The Torah's message in this one Pasuk is that the job of a Jew, the job of a human being, and certainly the job of a Jew, is to become a master, to gain control, to be in charge of the only one thing in the world they can actually control, which is themselves. And Moshe Rabbeinu calls it karav, Moshe Rabbeinu calls it near, Moshe Rabbeinu calls it not so difficult, because against the backdrop of Ayam, it's near, and we know that it's virtually impossible. We know that's virtually impossible. And guess what? So did the Alter Rebbe. <laughs> the Alter Rebbe was not on the level of <laughs> Tikkar Avilecha Alter Rebbe was on the level of Meivul Ayam and 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 Hashem's expectations of the Alter Rebbe were the first three P'sukim. Everything he told us, we don't have to worry about. That was his world. But you see, Alter Rebbe was a Rebbe, which is a very interesting concept, a most interesting concept. Being a Rebbe meant that as great as the alt Rebbe was, one of his great qualities was that when he related to another person, he related to that other person, not through their own prism, but as that person's condition truly is. You know, most of us project, when you hear about another person's situation and you want to help them, of course we're all in the fix-it business, We help them based on our own perspective and our own experience and our own point of view. When you're helping another person, you have to help that person according to their experiences and their perspective and their point of view. And that's very, very rare. To actually put yourself into another person's situation and help them based on where they are. And that's what separates a Rebbe, really, from an ordinary tzaddik. That Rebbe's ability to talk to us where we are, not where he is. So, the Rebbe says, What I am in my life is my business. But he's writing a Sefer Tanya Kaddish, he's writing a book of Tanya. And he's not writing the Tanya for Tzaddikim. He's not writing the Tanya for people whose expectation is and the He's writing the Tanya for people who are on the level of this last tusk of the page. All Hashem wants of us, as if this is easy, is to become masters of ourselves, to gain control over mm-hmm. our own selves. And I want you to know that it's known in the Chabad history it's brought down in, in the Rebbe's Zashimus and in many places but the Alta Rebbe actually wrote a book called Sefer Shel Tzadikim in which he actually which I reckon he explains these three p'sukim: Yer Alfi Be'ez What is Gimel what is Neflesim what is Rechiken what is Vashmayim he wrote a book called Sefer Shel Tzadikim and uh, the book was obviously never published because we don't have it there's an interesting story behind the Sefer Shel Tzadikim he was once visited by the Shepot one of the great Hasidic rabbis, who was a very dear friend of the Alter Rebbe uh, his name was Behuda Leib but his are called Zadeh to this day and um, the Alter Rebbe showed him the Sefer and he asked him what he thought of it so the Shpola said the Sefer is magnificent it's extraordinary but it doesn't have it shouldn't exist it should not exist. The world doesn't need such a Sefer. It's not for this world. I encourage you to burn it. Mm-hmm. And he added, and I bless myself that my soul should ascend to heaven in the smoke, in the fire of this Sefer. The al Rebbe didn't burn the Sefer. The Shbalazay, they kept on living. And there was a fire in Liadi, in Tafkufain Test, Tafkuf Samach Test, whatever it is, in 1809, 1810. And the Sefer was destroyed. And at the exact time that this fire was destroyed, this Sefer, the Halikesh Bala Zaydis Nishama, went up to heaven. And there's another story, which I think is related, but I'm not sure, that the Al rebbe had a son and success, the Middle Rebbe. When this Sefer was destroyed, Al rebbe was very upset. So he comes to his son, the Middle Rebbe, and says, Did you look inside that little book that I never publicized? Says so his son said, I was going to look at the book, but on the cover, you wrote a gziras al Rebbe wrote on the cover of this this handwritten manuscript that any person who looks inside the sefer is going to be cursed in this world and in the other world. So the middle the Rebbe says, I looked at the cover, I saw what it said, and I decided against reading it. So the Rebbe says to his son, now nah, that the sefer is gone, he says to his son, Who is the misheidos nefesh v'chesidios? Mm. Where is the misheidos nefesh v'chesidios?" So the Rebbe wrote a sefer. He wrote a book for people who are on higher levels. We don't have that Sefer. Because it's irrelevant. It has no use for us. Except as people who like to enhance our egos. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. The Tanya we have. Because the Tanya was written to ordinary people. And what the Tanya is saying to an ordinary person is, listen. You have the possibility to gain control over yourself. I want to teach you how. That's, that's the, the Sefer Tanya is about. You have the possibility to gain control over yourself. I want to teach you how. The, the magic word... In the Tanya is the word bainini. Bainani. Beinoni. Bainani means average or medium, in the middle, in between. There are about two Beininim on the entire planet Earth. There's nothing average about a bainani. The reason the bainani is called Beinini, the reason the personality that this Pusik is describing, or to use the language of this class, the reason a person who has managed to gain full control over himself is called average, is because that's the possibility of the average person. Emphasis on the word possibility. We could become masters over ourselves. We could control ourselves. It's hard. (laughs) But we don't want to. (laughs) We don't have time. So Benini is not defining a condition. Benini is defining a potential. Most of us are not tzaddikim. And most of us are free, have the, the ability, if we chose to, become masters of ourselves, to control what we think, what we say, and what we do. It's very difficult. And Altarebbe wrote the Sefer to teach how. You see, the Tanya, the Tanya is not a philosophy book. If anybody thinks Tanya is a philosophy book, they've never read it. Tanya is a very, very practical book. It teaches techniques Techniques. And ultimately the Tanya teaches techniques of self-control. That's what it's about. The Tanya teaches techniques of how you can be a master over yourself. The techniques that the Tanya teaches are a trip. They're a job. But that's what the Tanya does. The Tanya teaches techniques. The Tanya teaches us how to gain control over ourselves. This is why the Al Rebbe had Hasidim. This is why the Alter Rebbe had Yechidas as we discussed last week at length. And this is why the Al Rebbe finally wrote the Savitari Kadisha was to teach people practical techniques how so they can become masters over themselves. But there's a very, very small, very, very, very small uh, disclaimer that needs to be made. And this small disclaimer is is the thing that's itching at most people as I speak, including at myself to be quite candid. And that small disclaimer is a person can't even think about becoming a bainini. Unless they want to. A person will never become a master over themselves unless they make that important enough. Right? What's important in our lives? What's important in our lives? A lot of things are important. The Tanya is gonna give us practical techniques, practical lessons, instructions that are not gonna be easy, by the way, they're just gonna be possible whose purpose is in the end to teach a human being how it's practically possible for them to be a master of themselves, to possess themselves, to own themselves, to be literally in charge of everything that they think, everything that they say, and everything that they do. But it's predicated on an assumption that you're interested. You know, If you're not interested, it can't work. If one is interested, there is a possibility that it could work. It takes an enormous amount of work. In other words, Abaisai. In other words, the Tanya is a practical safer. I mean, this is ridiculous. The Tanya is a practical safer. Everything about the Tanya is meant to be practical. It teaches a person how they can have control over themselves. If they want. If they want. Okay? Now, let me be blunt. Let me speak to us. Okay? And I'm not trying to frighten people away from the Tanya class by saying, well, you know, this is totally unrealistic. What we want to take out of the Tanya is two things. First of all, the personal integrity, the personal honesty that the Tanya is going to teach. us. the first thing we want to take out of the Tanya. And second of all, the idea that every one of us, as long as we're alive, are works in progress. Nobody's finished. Just like nobody's finished with their business, nobody's finished with redesigning their home, Nobody's finished with serving Hashem. And these are, these are real, useful, practical messages, even for people like ourselves who are a little bit far away from this ideal of Bain and E. The message of the Tanya is you have to work on being a Jew, you so have work on everything else. And that work never finishes. And there's an ideal, there's a highest level, there's a perfect condition, so to speak. And the ideal is the perfect level is that if you follow the instructions of the Tanya, a person becomes a master over himself, he owns himself, which sounds so simple. is in fact um, uh, most elusive, most difficult. So this is the background. This is the background. The Tanya is interpreting one Pasuk in the Chomash. This Pasuk is understood in the context of the Pesukim before. And the Tanya is saying, that Hashem is saying to a Jew, I want you to give me what you can, not what you cannot. And Hashem says to a Jew, you can give me. You are in a position, if you choose to to give me that you should control what you think what you speak and what you do now here's what I want to do right now I want to read the first half of this page okay the sheet that I had that you you'll have to share because there are obviously not enough copies um, near the top of the page it says the word Sefer it's not the very top of the page but it's near the top of the page you see Sefer it. From the word Sefer until the rest of that piece is the Alter own words. Al Eber wrote this himself. And I'm reading and I'm translating. Sefer Likuti Amor. Alter I've written a book which is Likuti a collection of sayings. This reference to the Tanya as a Likot as a collection is the ultimate expression of humility on part of the Alter There are very few books in all of Jewish literature that are as original as the Tanya and Al-Trabiyah calls it a likut, a compilation. He's collected it from here, there, and everywhere. Sefer Likuti Amarim, a book which is a compilation of sayings. Chayla section one. A shame Hashem that carries the name Sefer in the book of the intermediate. The second section will be called Shara Yechad Va'amun. Okay, but the first section of time of Sefer the book of the intermediate. And again, I explained to you already. Bainani does not mean where the average person is, because the average person is far below this. Bainani means where the average person can be if they want to. Maluka that is collected from books and from writers. And it's understood when we went to yeshiva, our Mashpiyim told us that the word Svarim is an allusion to the Arizal and the Maral Miprag and the shaloh", who wrote Svarim on Musar and Avoidah. And from scribes is an allusion to the Balshem and to the Magid and so forth. and the Shmasa made holy ones above whose souls are in Gan Eden. And the Tanya is a collection from all of these rabbis. Miyusa that is founded. Our Pasuk on the Pasuk that we quoted earlier. Ki is near to you. Hadavar Yiddishkeit. Me'oid very much. If Yiddishkeit means say What you speak and what you think and what you do. Not what you feel. Not what you understand. Not what you desire. Now what is your core? What you do? you understand? Let's read the post again. Ki It is near. very much. If you define Judaism by only, and it's a big only, Befich o says what you speak, think, and do, as opposed to how you feel and understand and so forth, it is karev. It's possible. Now another thing that must be pointed out, of course, the postage does not say ki or ki kala, or the kuf. The tere does not say that being a Jew is easy it says karev, which means near. There's a very, very big difference between easy and near. Something can be very, very near and can be an enormous amount of effort. The connotation, the intention of the word near is it's in your own power. You don't need magic. It's within the power of a person to do this. Kal would mean easy and this is not easy at all. Being a Benyani is a very high and idyllic state in the Chabad world it was one of the highest Madreges any human being could be identified as a bainini. Most Hasidim did not achieve this Madrege. And we certainly, at least like I said, most of us are not going to achieve this Madrege. It was, it was a very high standard. It's an exact standard. So the Torah doesn't say it's easy. The Torah says it's possible. And that's how it turns the word Karev. It is near to you. Karev means near. Hadavar, Yiddishkeit, muy, very much, if you define Yiddishkeit... As what you say, think, and do, as opposed to what you feel, understand, and so forth. Says It says, I intend to explain this Pasuk well. And explaining this Pasuk well means that the Alt-Rebbe is not intent on giving us philosophy. The Alt-Rebbe is intent on giving us practical inspiration, practical teachings. However, the practical teachings that the Alt-Rebbe is going to provide are as follows. How in fact it's possible to be a Beninim. However, it's in a long, short way. With the help of God Almighty. Says, the technique that I'm going to teach, and I'm reading with you the very first page of the Tanya, and Akhtar Rebbe in fact does what he sets out to do. It's a technique which teaches a person how, if they so desire, can gain mastery over themselves. However, the technique is called long and short. So there's a Gemara which is the source of these words long and short it's a well known gemara the gemara tells a story about a rabbi who himself relates the story comes to, comes to a village and he meets a child I think it's Rabbi he says no person ever defeated me a little boy and a little girl he tells two stories and the story the little boy goes like this he comes to a city and there are two roads there's a fork there's two roads leading to the town so he says to the little boy which way to the town mm. so the boy says this road is long and short and this road is short and long <laughs> can't get a straight answer out of anybody right <laughs> this road is long and short this road is short and long would you speak in English please mm. this road is long and short so Rabbi Yaisi I think it's Rabbi but I, I haven't seen Gemara in a few days in a while says I thought to myself I figured short and long sounds short and long is some kind of more subtle aspect of it and long and short it sounds long so Rabbi proceeded again I forgot which rabbi it was and I proceeded down the short path and I saw that I was very close to the town the town was a hundred paces away I could see it however between me and the town there was a swamp and the swamp had water in it and snakes and scorpions and all kinds of other undesirables and thorns and other very very wonderful things you'd like to avoid so I went back to the road and I tried the alternative route and I had to walk several kilometers but the path was well trodden and it was an easy and straight route to I didn't get myself all dirty and scratched and cut and beaten and I came to the town in one piece. So Hasidus quotes this gemara to make its point, to make its case. Chabad Hasidus. Sometimes you take a path that's short but it turns out to be very, very long. There are quick fixes. There are short solutions. There are easy ways to solve problems. But as a rule, a quick fix, a short solution, turns out to be very, very long. It's, it's, it's a great agony because you can't fix it and it remains fixed. You have to constantly try it again and fix it again and it breaks again. And you have other problems and so on and so forth. Sometimes a person resolves to take a comprehensive approach to something, a real, healthy, solid, mature approach to a situation, in which time it's, there's no quick fixes, it takes a lot of work. But when the work has been done, this success is secured and it's, it's, it's achieved, it's real. The Rebbe says, I am going to interpret this pasach. I'm going to explain, I'm going to inspire how it's possible for a person to become a master over himself. I'm going to provide a technique, but it's a long, short technique. A long, short technique means, the Rebbe says, if you want quick fixes, try another book. <laughs> the Tanya does not have quick fixes. Now to be sure, it, it's not so simple. There may be quick fixes in the Tanya mm-hmm. too. But certainly the priority of the Tanya and certainly the priority of the Tanya as a book of Chabad Hasidus is not about quick fixes. And let me tell you the trick. I'll tell you what he says. Okay, So you don't have to come back anymore. You know the whole Tanya. After tonight you're all experts. Like I am. Yeah. The, The technique that the Alter Rebbe is going to teach as a means, as a vehicle, as a possibility that allows a person, if he so desires, to become a master over himself is called, it's a quote from the Al Zayhad, shalit the mind rules over the heart. Shalit the mind rules over the heart. And this has two connotations. <coughs> and the reason it has two connotations, because Abaynini, the personality of the Tanya, is by definition a moody person. His life is not constant, his life is a variable. And I'm going to share with you a, a moshal, an analog, which I've done many times in the past, but it belongs here, so I'm going to repeat it. In, in, uh, in Sifrei Muser and in Chazal, and the Chassidus, they talk about the rich man and the poor man. Of course, the rich man means the tzaddik, and the poor man means the ordinary person. <coughs> and they give a moshal, I heard this moshal in Yeshiva. What's the difference between how the rich man lives and how the poor man lives? So one of the uh, aspects that separates the rich man from a poor man is how he heats his home. It's winter, it's been cold, it is cold, it's going to be cold, and you have to keep your home warm. So there's a very, very big difference between the rich man and the poor man. Because the rich man has a shed full of treated wood. It's all, has been sitting in a shed for two years, it's, it's brittle, it's dry as paper. You throw it into the fire and it explodes. And he has no shortage, you have plenty of wood, the shed is full. And when it's chilly in the house, he puts on the fire, he puts in a few twigs, puts on a log or two and it gets warm. And as the logs become consumed, he puts on a couple more logs. He has a little one of those wagons. You know how you, you see him in the catalogs and you dream? <laughs> if I only had a working fireplace, right? Okay, and you wheel it into your, into your den, into your living room and you feed your fire and it's nice and warm and comfy. A poor person doesn't have a shed that he has no wood. He has a couple of rotten pieces of wood that he picked up on the way home which are still moist and, and half eaten away and so forth if the poor person is going to feed his fire like a rich person feeds his fire by 10 o'clock in the morning he's out of fuel and his house is a freezer he <laughs> has to live outside so the poor man has a different solution all of the fuel that he collects he puts into the fire at one time and the house becomes unbearably hot impossibly hot but the poor man's strategy is based on the fact that since he does not have enough fuel to feed the fire in a temperate way, to maintain a constant temperature, he has to raise the temperature very, very high in the morning and hope that that heat, that warmth, will sustain him until he climbs into his blankets. In other words, at the end of the day, it's going to be very, very chilly, but there will be some warmth left over from the initial heat for initial intensity which existed, which prevailed, which pervaded the home in the morning. This is the poor man's strategy. And the Benini is the poor man. The Tzaddik is the rich man who just keeps the fuel at a constant temperature. Because the world of the Tzaddik is the world of Avat Hashem and love and fear of God. The Benini's life is defined by two circumstances. The time when it's very, very hot and the time that he's living off the residue, the time that he's living off the the... the reserves, he's living off the dividends of that very, very hot time. And the time when it's very hot in the world of the Beninim, is the time that the Beninim Davids, Avedis Hat feel. Daviding David is a time when you have to turn up the heat, especially for an ordinary person, to be very passionate. You cannot maintain that passion all day long. But the belief is that if you make the fire hot enough in the morning, it'll carry you until the next time you daven. And as a consequence, these words shalat alalev" mind rules over the heart. There's two translations. The first translation of "moyach shalat Alaiv is when the beni davins, when a beni davins, shalat alalev" means that the mind educates the heart. The word "shalit" doesn't mean to control; it means to inspire. "Moyach shalat alalev" means your mind should teach your heart what to feel. If you think about God, you'll develop feelings for God in your heart. If you think about God fleetingly, you'll develop feelings for Hashem fleetingly. But if you delve, if you invest das, as you said earlier, if you connect yourself to the concepts of Hashem, you'll develop feelings. And this is the structure of the davening of the Beinini, where his, the center of his life is the employment of his mind to arouse his heart when he daven's. And during that circumstance, mayach shalat alalev means the mind should educate the heart. For the remainder of the day, the Benyini cannot afford to focus on Hashem. He's got to focus on other things. He has to feed a family, has to take care of a family, has responsibilities, has many other things. So, means mind controls the heart. But it's all predicated on the idea that the Benyini understand that there's a period of time that he has to in, raise the temple, <laughs> has to raise the passions to a very, very high level. And this has to carry him until he has another opportunity. And this is called a long-short approach. A long-short approach means because you can't do it in five seconds. A long-short approach means that if a person is sincere of becoming a balabayis over themselves, they have to devote time. You can't dab them with a minion and expect to become very passionate about God, especially the minyan that we know, where if you say all the words without any mistakes, you're a superman. Maya Shata Alev means you have to invest time and effort in feeling passionately about Hashem and to allow those passions to carry you during the davening, they fill you with feeling, and all day long that one pervades, it carries you. And that's the introduction to the Tanya. So I want to conclude with a summary. Okay, the Tanya is based on a pasuk which is not written for tzaddikim. The Psukim written for tzaddikim it says loy 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 no 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 no. And the the E-Bisha says to the average person, what I expect of you is to control yourself, your thought, speech, and deed. We say it's impossible. And God says, it's the only thing I'm expecting. I could demand much more. He's right, and we're right, so everybody's right. So the Alter Abbas says, I've written a Sefer, that if a person wishes to learn how to translate this positive into their practical lives, they have that possibility. But they must understand that it's a Derech Aruch To be a mensch in any area, to be successful in any aspect of life, one has to invest time. If a person wants to be successful in serving the Eberstir, <coughs> one has to invest time. Okay